Hello, you lovely, wonderful Bucket Heads and Bucket Squad members. Uh, before we get into today's main event, just wanted to pop a quick note up top to let you know that there were some audio and technical issues plaguing us during the recording of this episode, uh, partly due to me being uh, away from my usual recording setup and um, uh, uh, recording issue on Alex's end as well. So my audio was lost at various points, so we've had to edit around that a little bit, and Alex's audio isn't quite up to the usual uh, standard that we would put out. Um, but we thought we had a, a nice, interesting conversation in this episode about various things, and it's still listenable, uh, so we wanted to still put it out, but we just want you to know that it's not where we normally like our audio quality to be, and we will hopefully, well, we definitely will be back to um, full steam ahead when we return uh, in July after a short break, which we'll discuss further in the episode itself. Um, but enjoy, it's good, there's, there's, there's films and things discussed, and we watch some YouTube videos together, and then we attempt to um, understand and, and, and review an album that is uh, pretty complex and difficult to get get your head around so it's quite a um, interesting conversation so enjoy have a lovely one and see you on the other end okay bye bye two friends just made a podcast two good friends just made a podcast two friends just made a podcast it's called culture bucket two friends just made a podcast two good friends just made a podcast Hello everyone, welcome to the 76th episode of your favourite podcast, Culture Bucket, uh, the university's favourite podcast. Um, it's very exciting to be on the 76th episode of our podcast because it means there's only another 44 to go until the big 120, which we are planning for already, uh, which is very exciting. And um, today we are doing uh, an ill-advised attempt to review something we don't have much uh, sort of skill or ability to critically analyse and that is the latest Kendrick Lamar album Mr Morale and the Big Steppers so everything you hear in today's in today's episode is purely from the perspective of an enthusiastic if potentially miss something fan I'd say and that's that's coming from me your host George um, and we'll see what my co-host Alex thinks now hi Alex hi George hi everyone how you doing today George <clears throat> good. I'm good. good. I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Good. Great. I'm fantastic. Uh, school has finished. And I, I'm not on holiday, but uh, I don't have to plan lessons anymore, which is very nice. Or mark work or etc. etc. So that's it. Good. That's good. Yeah. And how are you feeling about today's episode? Are you excited to talk about the Kendrick Lamar album? I'm excited to talk about it, yes. Am I, uh, I don't know, am, am I, yeah, like, am I qualified to talk about it? Do I understand everything about this album? No. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about it with you. I think it's an interesting and complex album to talk about. I think it'd be good to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, it's a big, knotty, complicated piece of art. Yeah. And it will be... Definitely. Pe- people smarter than myself will be analysing it for a long time to come, I imagine. So uh, this is just two people's opinions. Anyway, um, 
what else to say? Go and go and review us on Apple Podcasts. I normally say that at the end, but I'm saying it at the start now because no one has done it. So please go and do that if you're listening. It would be so wonderful and helpful to get some reviews uh, on Spotify. You can review on Spotify yeah. now as well, which is so good. And you can rate and review and do all of those things and tell your friends about us and it would be lovely to get a little bit of uh, heat. I know you're listening, so put, put, put a couple of stars. No, five stars. Oh, don't, not a couple, A please. few stars. Five, Put a few stars on five, there. Five, you're, we, five we, stars. You know, we have more listeners than, more, than stars that we have. So, guys, now stop the, stop the podcast, review us, and then come back to us. Yeah, there's at least, there's at least six of you out there, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've got, we've got, we've got, two, we've got two reviews, <laughs> and I think conservatively eight listeners, so... We don't have any listeners. Pull your finger out. No, we've got more than that. We've got at least we've got at least double that number. No, um, <laughs> more than that. Don't listen to George. We have more than that. Um, but we could have even more if you told people about us. Yeah. and Got the word out. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, do that, and um, that's pretty pretty exciting stuff. Uh, should we get into our first regular little feature? Yeah. This is culture catch up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. I've got uh, three films and a TV show to talk about today. Uh, starting with uh, the latest film from Alex Garland, who has previously written and directed films such as Ex Machina and Annihilation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film is called Men. Is that is that the trailer that you showed me? And it's really yes. like, uh, and then it's called Men. Yes. <laughs> I mean, no sense, did it? <laughs> it's all like, ah, oh, but then it's called Men. Not really, no. Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> talk to me about it. It is the film. What is it about? I showed you the trailer. It's good, man. Yeah. Okay, so it's about a woman uh, called Harper, uh, played by Jesse Jesse Buckley, um, who is great. And she is recently uh, widowed, and she has gone to the countryside to try and heal emotionally from the end of what was a fairly um, unpleasant uh, relationship. The film deals in themes of domestic abuse and suicide and other things, so it's quite hard going um and uh, so she gets to the country and she's staying in an airbnb cottage uh, in the countryside mm-hmm. in a little village and she meets the owner jeffrey who gives her a tour of the cottage and gives off very um the sort of vibes anyone who's lived in england for any length of time will uh, be familiar with in terms of like a kind of countryman style Is this cottage person in the middle of nowhere well it's in a small it's on the edge of a small village in the English countryside the edge means that it's outside the small village yeah Mm. yeah because for some privacy um so she uh yeah so she she gets a tour around the thing she gets weird vibes from Geoffrey but nothing particularly bad and then she settles in and decides to go for a walk in a forest where she has an encounter with um, a strange man in a tunnel that unsettles her 
and later she encounters a um, a stalker in the garden of the cottage she's staying in and has cause to call the police and it all sort of unravels from there. Uh, the thing you'll know if you've seen the trailers for this movie is that all of the, or mostly all of the male characters in the film are all played by the same actor, Rory Kinnear, who plays Jeffrey and um, every other man she encounters um, during her time there, though she never acknowledges that that is what is happening. She never kind of says, all of these men look like the same man. Um, so it's sort of metaphor and symbolism, etc. going on. Um, it's a fairly, well, in today's standards, it's a fairly short movie. It's only 100 minutes long, so with credits, it's only just cracking an hour and a half, which is um, almost unusual nowadays and quite nice. Um, yeah, definitely. It gets suitably wild. It gets suit. Yeah, definitely. It gets suitably wild by the end of the movie um, when uh, um, everything sort of kicks into high gear and you see what's been happening the entire time and, and, you know, there's quite a lot of gore and body horror and stuff at the end of this movie. It gets quite intense. Um, but leading up to that, it has a really good tone and atmosphere and the music is really kind of fitting for what is ultimately kind of a folk horror movie and you see Harper mm. go through all these slightly unsettling interactions with these various different men, like a few people in a local pub and there's a priest and there's a young boy and, again, mm. they all have the same person's face. And um, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I th- I thought that ultimately I was really, really excited to see it and I hoped that I would love it. And I think ultimately I just mm. liked it. And I think the thing that held it back slightly was that the plot ultimately felt almost like it could have been an episode of Inside Number 9 or, or Black Mirror or some sort of anthology show rather than being mm. its own standalone movie. It just maybe could have been slightly more ambitious uh, in what it was trying to do. But in terms of like a fun folk horror movie... Thumbs up, liked it. You are not ever going to watch it, so it's fine. Do you, do you, is it quite scary? Um, for the first hour and ten minutes or so, it's quite unsettling and creepy. Yeah. And then for the final twenty minutes, it's full on sensory assault, body horror, gore, madness stuff. Okay. No, thank you. You're right. I'm never <laughs> yeah. going to watch it. <laughs> no, thank you. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but anyone who likes that kind of thing, like uh, last year's In the Earth, it kind of almost feels like a companion piece to In the Earth in some ways. Um, and if anyone watched In the Earth last year, uh, I, you know, definitely go and seek out Men because it kind of deals in some familiar, similar atmosphere and tone stuff, even if the uh, plot and what it's trying to say is a bit different. Um so yeah, oh, and, and Rory Kinnear is great as all the different men, and uh, Jessie Buckley is really good as, as Harper. She has to, you know, convey quite a lot of emotions throughout the film and stuff and go through mm. some quite challenging uh, scenes, and she does it really well. So yeah, good stuff. Um, up next... I- Maverick. Yeah. Before we start, what has Tom Cruise <laughs> taken to stay and look exactly like he did ever? Like what? Yeah, I don't in the know. Set, I watched an interview the other day and it just looked yeah. incredible. Like he has yeah, He's aged. about to turn 60. 
Exactly. He has not aged gracefully. He has not aged. It's amazing. But he's aged gracefully in as much... He, he doesn't look like he's had loads of work done, I think. He just looks like he's 30 years younger than he is. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say he looks like about 40. <laughs> but it's impressive. Yeah, like, yeah. What, who, 20 years who, younger. Who, 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 who's, who has he done... Should we all become Scientologists? So we'll... <laughs> no, no, no. Let's not do that. But he, not he was it. just like... He's just such an attractive man. Yeah, he is. I mean, there's a scene in Top Gun Maverick where they all go on the beach and play, um, like, sort of rugby, oh. and they're all shirtless. Oh. And, um, you know, all the, other, all the other actors in it are in their mid-20s, early 30s, and then you've got Tom yeah. Cruise. And when they're all running about, you can't tell which one's Tom Cruise. They all look like they're the same age. It is crazy. Um Amazing. Yeah, I don't know how he's done it. He looks like this. This movie comes as a sequel. I think something like thirty six years after Top Gun One, or some insane amount yeah. of time, yeah. and he looks about the same as he looked in Top Gun One. <laughs> he doesn't look any different. He just has like a few wrinkles, but he's got an incredible smile. Like his face is not, you know, faces go down. You know, we droop. I don't know. Well, talk to me about. Uh, I don't know how he did it. Talk to me about Top Gun Maverick. I will. What's your relationship with the original Top Gun film? I think I watched it a couple of times in the 90s or something. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. So I remember things about it. I remember everything about it. But uh, it's one of those films that I've watched. But I need to watch again to remember exactly what yeah, was going yeah, on. Yeah, probably. I mean, th- so the original Top Gun introduced us to uh, Pete Maverick Mitchell, played by Tom yeah. Cruise, who was a top naval Air Force pilot, and um, we saw him go through training at the ultimate here school for pilots, which is known as Top Gun, and is a real place, um, apparently, and was directed by Tony Scott and featured lots of very impressive aerial combat mm, yeah. uh, stuff. And um, I watched it when I was a teenager and thought it was pretty cheesy, silly yeah. nonsense and wasn't that keen on it. Um, and I watched it again about a week or so before I went to see the new one and actually liked it more than I remembered liking it because I think I've grown oh. now to have a bit of a nostalgia for cheesy 80s bubbling away underneath the soundtrack. and it, Yeah, and it's just kind of quite nice. <laughs> yeah. And the uh, like, his commander is played by the the head teacher from Back to the Future, and it's just got and Val Kilmer's there being Iceman, yeah. And you can't not, yeah. you know, I I don't know, I I like Val Kilmer a lot, and you've got other people in there, and Anthony Edwards who plays Goose, and like Goose tragically Goose dies. dies, yeah. And um, Tom That's Cruise a blames himself. Scene, actually. And, when Goose it dies. is an intense scene. It's the point mm. for me where that original movie kind of loses itself because for the next like half hour or however long left in the movie, Tom Cruise stops being a fun guy and just starts moping around, which yeah. is understandable because he blames himself for the death of his best friend, but it makes the movie a bit sort of, I don't know, it sucks a lot of energy out of the film. Yeah. But that's the original. The new one uh, was made something like four years ago. It was made before the pandemic and then they, I think they knew they had a potential big hit on their hands so they just kept it in the locker until they felt like it was appropriate to put it out Mm. and as a result we've been seeing trailers for it and I've been rolling my eyes at these trailers for so long because my memory of Top Gun was just disliking it yeah and then um 
it got about a month before it came out it got screened somewhere i think it's cinemacon in america it got screened and these reactions started coming out and it's always people going oh, it's really good actually i really liked it and then you watch <laughs> the movie like and it's that. morbius or something <laughs> yeah just like Ooh. that <laughs> oh this movie's great i really liked it so good. thanks for letting me watch your movie jared um so these reactions started coming out for yeah. Top Gun Maverick where people were saying crazy things. Like people were saying, this is going to be in the in the contention for best picture at the Oscars next year. Um, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I absolutely love this movie. It made me cry, etc., etc. And I was like, there's no way. This movie can't be that good. That's silly. And then a, and then a little bit later, still before the movie came out, a reviewer that I have like some amount of respect for, I tend to like take stock of what he says, tweeted something like, Top Gun... Maverick is a better movie than Top Gun 1 and I don't mean the difference in quality between Paddington 1 and Paddington 2 I mean the difference in quality between Paddington 2 and Morbius and I was like that's crazy, what are you talking about how can it be that much better it's still <laughs> Top Gun um, yeah but I got like I started getting a little bit hyped for it and I rewatched the original and I was like oh this is actually better than I remembered, I kind of like this I, you know, I, 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 for all the bad stuff that he's been involved with and all the madness he's, he's done over the years I have I just have such a soft spot for Tom Cruise's like acting and his performances mm. that I like those Mission Impossible movies he makes better he makes better action movies than anyone else because he puts his body through just unbelievable stuff to achieve the stunts he does in those movies and I was like he seems yeah. to have matured into an actor who takes a lot of pleasure and almost feels a responsibility to really push forward big entertaining blockbuster mm. cinema and like if he's willing if he's going to do that I'm going to watch those movies because I I love mm. to see that kind of thing and like I got excited about Top Gun Maverick and I booked tickets to see it on the IMAX on a, on like uh, opening day and I I I went along to watch it and I was it was a, incredible It's incredible. It's in the original Top Gun movie. They got they got permission to use real aircraft from the navy, and there's lots of shots of um, actual planes flying around. But they ultimately had to do a lot of compositing work to make it look like the actors were in the planes and stuff like that. In this movie, there's no CGI. There's no green screen. They genuinely put these actors in these fighter jets, and they sent them up in the air, and they. <laughs> they genuinely everything every bit of aerial flying action you see in this movie genuinely was done for real and it's the most incredible action cinematography i've ever seen in a movie it's unbelievable the stuff they managed to achieve like they literally they because these these planes have two um cockpits in them so they must have had Every time a plane went up, it must have had an actor in one seat and then whichever seat wasn't being used had the actual pilot for the plane in. And they fitted the cockpit with all these IMAX cameras. They managed to squeeze in a bunch of IMAX cameras into these cockpits. Wow. But when they were up in the air, they had no ability to communicate with the director. So the actors had to like apply their own makeup, set up the cameras, turn the cameras on, shoot the lines. And then it wasn't until they got back down on the ground that they were able to show the director what they'd filmed. And the director would then have to watch the footage. And then if they wanted a new, another take of something, send them back up in the air to do it again. <laughs> I heard... An... No, it's true. Miles Teller, who plays Rooster in this movie, who is the son of Goose from the original film, he no, talked in about <laughs> what? What's wrong? Just a second. <laughs> what? The son of Goose is called Rooster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all have call signs again. Like, um, so you got Rooster, Hangman, Phoenix, 
Bob. One of them's one of them has a call sign Bob, and the joke is that that's a silly <gasps> thing to have as your call sign because it's not cool enough. Is okay. Bob, um, and and other others. But yeah, Rooster and Miles Teller and Miles Teller with a moustache looks exactly like Anthony Edwards did yeah. in the original Top Gun. It is yeah. wild. So and Miles Teller's really good in this film. Um, and I heard an interview with him where he talked about the fact that apparently they shot more footage for this film than they shot for all three Lord of the Rings films because of just this this way of filming of getting the actors to go up in the planes and they had to shoot their own stuff and they must have just ended up with hundreds of hours of footage that they've cut together into into these things. And there's, there's scenes towards the end of the movie where they're doing... I mean, so the plot of the movie is that um, Maverick has spent the last 30 years or however long sort of trying to deal with the death of his... Um, of, of Goose and never really getting promoted within the within the Air Force and just continuing to be a captain and eventually in this the start of this movie he does something to annoy his superiors and he gets sent off to Top Gun to train a new bunch of recruits the best of the best in, in order for them to do this incredibly dangerous effectively suicide mission where they have to go and it's the same in the original Top Gun where they never talk about what the enemy is they never say the enemy is Russia or China or anywhere else it's just yeah. the enemy and you never see any flags um, which I think is the best way to do it, really, because it's not about the enemy; it's about the, you know, the characters. Yeah. Anyway, the mission is that they have to go along this canyon and then fly into this mountain, this mountain that's got a big crater in the middle, and blow up this uranium deposit or something. And there's all these reasons why it's an it's an impossible mission, because there's air, there's surface to air missiles all along this canyon, and there's this, that, and the other, and they're going to get blown out of the sky. And the enemy has better airplanes than them. No one can possibly fly this mission, it's impossible, except potentially for one man who could train the rest to do it as well. So that's Tom Cruise's job, is to train up these fighter pilots to do this impossible mission. And near the end of the movie, the mission happens, and the last 40 minutes of this film is an ex just a sustained action set piece, which is genuinely some of the most incredible stuff I've ever seen put on film. And there's bits where these flight... And again, they did this for you, all these fighter planes are flying along this canyon so close to the ground that you can see the trees rustling as they go by like it's incredible um what they achieved in this movie um so the action stuff is good and kind of leaves you with your jaw on the floor and then the rest of it the the like the character stuff the character interactions are just about as well done as I've ever seen an action movie before like it's melodramatic and it's cheesy and it's ridiculous and it's all filmed in the style of a sort of an 80s or 90s action movie, like the original Top Gun. Mm. It's filmed in this classic filmmaking way that you just don't see anymore. Like, the Marvel movies don't look like this. The Marvel movies are all, like, they rush in, they put the camera there, they film the actors, they rush out. Like, I enjoy the Marvel movies, but this film feels more like, I don't know, it's more authored or constructed. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing what they've done. And even like, wow. you've got a love interest um, in there played by Jennifer Connolly, who isn't the mm. love interest from the original movie, but was mentioned in the original movie as the Admiral's daughter that he supposedly had a fling with. And she kind of comes back in this as a local bar owner that he gets involved with again. And it, sh it should be the kind of the, the B-plot romance plot that you're not really interested in because you just want to get back to the fun flying. But Jennifer Connelly's so good, and Tom Cruise actually has good chemistry with her. Like, he's not really done romance in a movie for, for years, Tom Cruise, because people... Mm. I think it was decided that people just didn't like Tom Cruise as a romantic lead. So he's not kissed people and stuff like that in films in, in years, but he the chemistry he has with Jennifer Connelly in this movie is good. He's, he's, he's strong in it. You care about the two characters and, and their journey together, and... Yeah, I was blown away. I was so shocked at how good Top Gun Maverick was. I absolutely loved it. Was there any explanation why his love interest in the first Top Gun wasn't there? Is not the love interest anymore? No, she's just no, she's just not mentioned. And you know, 
you know, he got together with her when he was 24. You wouldn't necessarily still be with her. There's no reason necessarily 30 years later to yeah. discuss No, but that's, that's cool. Um, I mean, it was a good uh, decision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kelly, Kelly McGillis has discussed... Kelly McGillis played the, the love interest in the original film. I think she was called mm. Charlie. And she's discussed the fact that she thinks she wasn't invited back because she looks age-appropriate. And, you know, she's she does. She doesn't look like Tom Cruise looks. And Jennifer Connelly is about a decade younger than Tom Cruise is in real life. And, you know, you could get worked up about that and be annoyed about that. But, I don't know. I don't have the energy. You know, Kelly McGillis no, no, I was just wondering if, life. you know, sometimes in film, in like sequels, especially like years after, they kind of explain yeah. why, you know, maybe they they love it and maybe she's dead or she they've divorced. Yeah. Or, no, but, it's or, just not mentioned. And I think but it almost fine. makes it's more normal. sense not to mention it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, that's all. That's all. That's all what it is. And, but, yeah, like... Um, all of the actors that play the various fighter pilots, whether they get a lot of screen time like Rooster does or a small amount of screen time, they all do an amazing job and the camaraderie and the, the, the kind of the friendship that grows between them as they train for this mission and stuff and then go through it is uh, feels real. Oh, and um, Val Kilmer, who very tragically uh, lost his voice in 2015 yeah. due to throat cancer, yeah. um, does make a small appearance in the film and it is really emotional but also really kind of I don't know a, a beautiful kind of look at the reality of the aging process and you know Tom Cruise is this immortal man but we're not all immortal men and kind of Val Kilmer's small role in this movie is kind of really really well done and you get quite choked up watching his uh, his his brief scene that he has with Tom Cruise and um, yeah it's good it's really good all of it's really good I'm I'm, I'm amazed at how good it is so yeah. Wow. Interesting. I would have yeah. never imagined that. No, I would not. But there we go. We live in a world. Um, right. I I won't talk as long about the next film, but it I I was very excited to see it, and I think you're excited to see it when you can. And it is the Bob's Burgers movie. Yeah. It was released. Uh, yay! Uh, the same week as Top Gun Maverick, and I guess some attempts at counter programming maybe. Um, if you didn't want to go and watch Tom Cruise fly planes around, you could go and watch a cartoon man make a burger. Yeah. And uh, the you know Bob's Burgers is a TV show that's now in I think it's thirteenth season. It's like a sort of adult animated cartoon, mm. but adult in a very light way, in in the way that Early Simpsons was, not in the way that Family Guy or South yeah. Park is. It's, it's quite you know it's mm. very sweet. Uh, the reason I love Bob's Burgers is uh, that it well it follows the Belcher family in their attempts to run a burger restaurant in a small seaside town. In America, you've got the the dad Bob Belcher, um, who you know takes pride in his burger cooking. You've got his wife Linda Belcher, who helps him run the restaurant, and then their three children, Jean, Louise, <laughs> and Tina. And the reason that I love Bob's Burgers is that it has the just about the biggest heart of any TV show. Yeah. That you could choose to watch, and like all of the Belchers have their own slight, um, you know, character flaws and character foibles. Louise is very headstrong and. Uh, but but hides like a deep insecurity within that, and Jean is just kind of Jean. weird and strange and struggles <laughs> to focus on anything. And Tina's Tina has this incredibly strange sort of sexuality that runs through everything she does, um, and is obsessed with zombies and horses and butts and things. And yeah, you know they're all very very different, and especially the children. And then like Linda is Linda has these flights of fancy she takes off on. And she's very kind of like, you know. 
easily easily taken in by adventure and stuff and then bob is always the one that's worried about the, the business and the restaurant and making burgers and panicking about things and they have this dynamic where in any given episode say tina go tina has decided to write erotic fan fiction about her friends in school and has been convinced that the right thing to do is to read it out in front of everyone or something like that one of the characters is doing something that's obviously a terrible idea what I love about Bob's Burgers is that the rest of the characters will always, the rest of the family will always almost unconditionally support each other in whatever it is they're trying to do and try and help each other and, and show their love for each other. And similar to Parks and Recreation, the, the, the comedy, it, 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 it's much more difficult to write comedy, I think, about characters that like each other and respect mm. and appreciate each other than it is to write about characters that just don't like each other and argue all the time. Like, for example, Family Guy, which is terrible, um, mm. has so much about how the family hates Meg and bullies Meg, the teenage daughter and stuff. And I think you can see the different philosophies behind the shows in the way that the the Belchers t- treat Linda to how the, whatever they're called in Family Guy, the Griffins t- treat Meg. Mm. Um and I love it. I absolutely love it. And like when we both lived in Japan, it was a show that brought me a lot of comfort if I ever felt a bit homesick or something. Just yeah. to watch this sort of family unit support each other and love each other and stuff was always made you feel happy. So I've I've been excited for a long time about the Bob's Burgers movie coming out. Nervous because, you know, is it going to go away the South Park movie, which is actually better than the South Park TV show, in my opinion, and, and, and stands up? Or is yeah. it going to go the way of the Simpsons movie, which is terrible? And <laughs> happily... It lies somewhere in the middle where ultimately they haven't let ambition outstrip what they're capable of and they ultimately have just made an episode of the TV show that happens to be an hour and a half long rather than 20 minutes long. And it's got all the stuff you want in it. It's got the Belchers. It's got Teddy, who's my favourite character, doing his various things. It's got um, the fish odours, the landlords that run the town, um, and the ultimate story is an inv- sort of an adventure involving them and a sinkhole opening up in front of the in front of the restaurant and they're worried because it means that people can't enter the restaurant and if they don't pay their business loan by the end of the month they're going to have to shut the restaurant so how are they going to get any money and it's all the normal fears and insecurities and problems that crop up in the TV show just kind of given a bigger frame and nicer animation the animation's yeah. really beautifully done and looks cinematic and seeing them on the big screen is really good yeah. and I really loved it the only thing that held it back slightly was the TV show is so musical and so good at music that I was hoping this might be closer to a full-blown musical whereas that's just got about three or four songs in it um, none of which really stood out okay. as like amazing so like in terms mm. of being a musical not really there but in terms of being a, you know a fun adaptation of Bob's Burgers that you can go and see in the cinema I, mm. I thought it was good I really liked it um, They, I think they made the right choice in not trying to be too ambitious and make yeah. a big, huge, you know, crazy thing. And they just kind of kept, you know, they could have done, oh, the Belchers are going on a road trip across America and da 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 But mm. they don't. They just, they keep it within the town. They keep the scope quite small and um, it's good. I liked it a lot. I'd recommend it. Um, the final thing to talk about is just um, last week, the latest season of Stranger Things oh, yeah. arrived on Netflix, season mm. four. Uh, the first seven episodes of season four dropped last Friday, and then in July the last two episodes are going to drop. And uh, I'm up to episode five, and uh, I have to say I, I, w- I went in with some trepidation because yeah. 
the the word came out before the season started that the episode lengths had like ballooned, where the average episode in this season is about an hour and fifteen minutes long. The seventh episode is an hour and forty minutes long, and apparently the final episode of this season is going to be two and a half hours long, which sounds silly, mm. but um. And, and that's what happened with Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones in the last couple of seasons, they started being like, oh, these are like mini-movies now, and da, 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 da. and it wasn't very good, it didn't really work. I'm happy to report that Stranger Things, you know, completely works. The episodes are long, but it's because you've got like four or five sets of characters in different locations, all doing fairly big, eventful stories. But the fact that all of them pay off in ways that is exciting and, and, and interesting to watch, mm. um, I'm really, I'm really loving. Like... If you haven't watched Stranger Things before, it's about the uh, events, the creepy supernatural events occurring in a small town in Indiana in America called Hawkins in the mid-80s, mostly centred around a girl with supernatural powers called Eleven, who has been experimented on by crazy government scientists in a lab. And uh, in the first season, a young boy called Will Byers goes missing uh, and he's actually been sucked into into a parallel dimension called the Upside Down. And his friends team up with Eleven over the course of the first season and, and help to rescue him from the upside down and then that core group of young people become the main characters of, of each season but within that as well there's the local sheriff uh, Hopper played by David Harbour who is amazing in it and uh, Will's mum uh, Grace played by oh no sorry Joyce played by uh, Winona Ryder who's also fantastic and then you've got like various older brothers and sisters that pop up and do things and Steve cool. Harrington's there and just a great set of characters season four I was worried it wouldn't be good. It's amazing. I'm absolutely loving it. In particular, there's a thread running through this season about the fact that music is powerful and has the power to kind of cross into other dimensions and help people and save people. And, you know, I, you know, we're about to talk about Kendrick Lamar. We've talked a lot about how much we love music and how it kind of, you know, is a thing that can give you a lot of life. And if you're going to do an episode of TV where you say that music can help save people and then you have a character in peril trying to escape a bad situation and being saved by uh, a Kate Bush song, my favourite Kate Bush song, I'm going to get quite worked up about it. And it was Aww. pretty good. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty incredible stuff. I, I absolutely love it. And um, I should watch it, really. Yeah. I should start watching it. Yeah, you, sh- you should watch it. You should watch it. It would be good to talk about it in more detail with you. So if you find the yeah. time... I I think you would like it. Like it's, it's got a little bit of creepiness to it, but it's not scary. Mm. And the characters yeah. are so well done and stuff. It's just um. Yeah, it's I just think good. I guess I got put off because my kids really like it, and so I was just like, oh, maybe. I know. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh. not not because I usually like love what kids love watching, but I just thought, oh, maybe I'm not gonna get into something that. I don't know. But do you like like eighties adventure movies? Yeah, yeah, I love them. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be blocked by that. I just it, there's so much to watch, that. and I was like, I'll that that will go. No, I know. I like originally, what like Stranger Things before it was on TV at all, or before it hit Netflix in the first season. All that was out was a trailer for it. I remember watching the trailer and being like, oh, this looks pretty good. I'll watch this, and then I watched the first season pretty much straight away before it was anything, and loved it. And then over the years, it has become one of the biggest media things on the planet, like yeah. Game of Thrones did. And it definitely, like, there was such a big gap between season three and season four that I started to convince myself a little bit that I didn't like it. Mm. And that I was irritated by how much everyone else goes crazy for it. And mm. it's one of those things where it's a bit like, if everyone else says they love something, you kind of start to get yeah. this reaction where you want to kind of push. 
But I rewatched seasons one to three before this one came out, okay. and like it won me back again. I was watching it, and I was like, "No, this is the best thing. I, I absolutely love this." Yeah, for like so, I never got into Game of Thrones. I never watched Lost. Like the big things just kind of put me a little bit off. Yeah, I don't know why. But yeah. I, I, I really think that it, despite being something that feels like everyone likes it, I think it very specifically yeah. exists in a in a place that you would enjoy. So I yeah. think you should watch it. Um, and then we could talk about it more, and that'd be fun. Well, that's all my culture catch-up for today. Sorry nice. for going on for so long. No, no, what, no. What have you got? Uh, so I've got a film, uh, an album, and a book. A book, a book, a book, a book, a book. Nice. So, go. Uh, go. A film. Well, going from your Stranger Things to uh, this film, there's an actor that is the same. So I finally managed to watch a Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, okay. What yeah. do you think of Ghostbusters Afterlife? Uh, well, okay. Well, first of all, the actor is Finn Wolfhard as Trevor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so it's basically uh, a single mum and two kids uh, arrive in a small town. We find out who she, is, how she's related to the Ghostbusters. The daughter, Phoebe, is extremely intelligent and the Trevor seems to be really like a mechanic or something but they're they're really like they're a nice family a little bit different and uh they um there's that we don't really know why they're connected to the ghostbusters until they arrive to this house in the middle of nowhere because they've been evicted from uh, their home and they go to this house in the middle of nowhere uh and uh it's um and uh, the the story is about them defeating this ghost that has come back that was not supposed to come back, and uh, finding out who she's the daughter of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the film started really well. I really liked McKenna Grace. I thought she was amazing in it i think yeah. she plays phoebe the daughter and i really liked her i think it, she was really good and i like finn finn wolfard he's you know he's kind of like this i think he he disappears for large parts of the movie which is the yeah. good choice because i can only take so much of him yeah but i i think i think having uh mckenna grace uh and um log and kim as podcast together is a really nice uh, pairing I thought uh, they yeah. were really good and they're trying to um, kind of um, discover things and there's also Paul Rudd in it which is always nice to have Paul Rudd in a film and I think the mum is also Carrie Coon is really is really good I thought I thought the first half of the film was really great like I really enjoyed it it was kind of trying to a little bit nostalgic trying to figure out things and like I, I guess maybe Stranger Things could look like that like kids trying to uh, solve Def- a mystery so I really 100%. liked that part then <laughs> the, the, I did not really like the how it ends and the, uh, it just went a little bit because the first part was so good I thought the second part was just rushed and not great and from, um, from which point do you mean like cleanly uh, the halfway point or I, th- I think I stopped enjoying it when the, the 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 pig dogs come out right okay okay <laughs> like 
from a little bit from there because then it became just a just fun porn you know it was just a bit like there was no there was not much originality in it it just the cgi was horrendous or whatever they used to make those pig dogs um i was was olivia wilde the yeah 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 uh yeah that was weird um I, the cameo what well, the jk simmons is in it <laughs> which is weird um yeah, that is weird. the cameo from uh bill murray well is it is a spoiler uh probably not at this point it's okay, fair to so say that pe- people knew the, that they were going to be in it yeah so towards the end bill murray dana croyd and ernie hudson uh, arrive um and I feel like they did not want to be there. It just felt so weak and so like I I was happy that they went there, but I didn't yeah. believe them. So I would like I was very happy to see them, very very happy, but I just didn't think that they were happy to be in it. I don't know. I just I had that feeling. Um, but overall, it it's fun. It's good. I just wished it went. He stayed with the same kind of uh, kid mystery thing as the beginning, and it did it, it. It was just a little bit less for the fans towards the end. Like it's Ghostbusters. Let's just let's just yeah, we can have cameos, but let's not make it too much like the the first movie, you know. Uh, but it, overall, it was good. Um, I think because the, the the beginning is so good, I feel like it just flopped at the end. But I I enjoyed it overall. It was okay. Yeah, I guess I guess I yeah. I, I think the ending's not the best part. I I like the setup a lot as well. I, yeah. Do you I think know if they're, they're going to make any more? Yeah, they've announced a sequel. Um, good. So hopefully the sequel can trade less in nostalgia a little bit and set out in its own path. And um, yeah, I'm really yeah, really keen to see what they do with the second one. And yeah, McKenna Grace, Finn Wolfhard, similar in Stranger Things. He's not my favorite character in Stranger Things, and in this, I th- I just find him slightly irritating. And it's probably something to do with how I don't I don't know his his hair. I, I don't know something about Finn Wolfhard turns me off. But mm. um, McKenna Grace is wonderful, and yeah, I really like the podcast as well. That character's good. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot to like in it. I really liked. I'm excited. To now see if there's if there's a sequel, I'm excited to see what they're gonna do. And so, like, I guess the first one has to be a little bit of like a, a, a an homage to the first Ghostbusters, and then now they can go a little bit crazy. I hope they'll do that, yeah. and they'll they'll. Because remember, do you remember when they made a Ghostbusters movie that didn't pay homage to the original, and people went absolutely nuts. I love that though. <laughs> like, th- I love that Ghostbusters. Like, I, that's no, what no, I enjoyed, I like, I like and that's why. Yeah, and that's why at the beginning I thought it was great, and then the end was a bit yeah. meh because it was just like, well, let's move on from Ghostbusters. We all loved it. We all loved it, and now let's create new memories, not mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. go, oh, look, the, the the big marshmallow guy is only little marshmallow guy, and the pig dogs look worse than in the eighties. Why did those if pig they... dogs look so bad? I don't know. I thought they were fine, but I don't know. <laughs> um. If they can, if they can bring back uh, McKenna Grace and Carrie Coon and Paul Rudd for another yeah. go around, I'll be, I'll yeah. be happy. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Okay. Cool. Anything else? Good. Uh, yeah. And then I read a book. 
uh, called Unwell Women, Our Journey Through Medicine and Myth in a Man-Made World by Eleanor mm-hmm. Cleghorn. And um, it's, uh, it's a book. Uh, she uh, goes through uh, the history and the relationship between uh, medicine and, well, and women. And uh, there are lots of um, character studies of women who have suffered, of uh, women that have gone through experiments and through different things to try and figure out what their um, condition was. And um, in this book, she tries to, with these fruit, these characters' studies, she tries to unpack the roots of the misunderstanding, mystification, misdiagnosis mm. of uh, women's bodies. And um, she starts from ancient Greece, uh, the journey, uh, the wandering uh, this uh, idea of the wandering uh, womb, which in ancient Greece, uh, it was the belief that a displaced uterus was the cause of many medical pathologies. So uh, already, because we had a womb, we yeah. <laughs> we already have different uh, pathologies. And uh, talking about how hysteria, which is is a, a you know we we talk about a lot about. Uh, the, the women being hysteric mm-hmm. but that's related to uh, the womb because that's the ancient Greek word for womb and uh, and then she talks about um, the current situation um, uh, modern day and the modern day understanding of uh, autoimmune diseases which uh, Eleanor Cleghorn um, has, she has got lupus um, the menopause which also is another is another thing that um, makes a woman less of a woman according to medicine and uh, conditions like endometriosis which affects many women many women yeah yeah and uh, it's uh, it's for me it's an amazing book that and also she mm-hmm. she tries to um, show how we have believed uh, medicine because we we think that we expect medicine that uh, to have the principles of evidence and and be impartial um and we think that doctors are listening to us um free of prejudice of who we are our gender and the color of our skin but through this book you kind of realize that that is not necessarily the case um especially when you know um Especially mm-hmm. when uh, women were experimented on, they to find out more about uh, female um, health, uh, and these experiments were not made on a women of a certain class, but were made on women of uh, poorer classes and also uh, minorities. Nice. Um, black slave women were experimented on. And without the use of um, anesthetic or painkillers, and and the uh, and after and and they were not, they were and the aftercare was not great. But it was believed, wrongly believed, that black women had a stronger pain threshold, which was not true. Pain is pain for whoever you are, whatever gender, uh, background, uh, color, and and. This misconception is still believed uh, in these days. And so the doctors are not necessarily being partial 
to our gender and where we come from. So it's a really interesting book to read to um, understand better uh, the history of uh, women and uh, medicine. It's 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 a it's an intense book, uh, but really um, really good to really good. <laughs> it sounds interesting. It's definitely yeah. Yeah. A, 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 it, yeah, it's something you don't consider, but when you think about history and you think about how women have been treated and stuff, it makes complete sense that medicine would have been completely, you know, biased towards the male view kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, because there were no there were no female doctors, and women could not be doctors uh, until yeah. like the early nineteen hundreds, and that's insane. And yeah. uh, you know. And uh, well, it talks about abortion as well. How women, what women went through, to like get abortions, and that's why it's necessary to have them because you know pe- women will die going through abortions that are not done by our medical staff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. it goes through that as well, and like choices that women, um, choices of women. So yeah, it's it's a really good book. And if you ever feel like you have been mit, mit, misdiagnosed, undiagnosed, or you have a doctor that tells you that you're fine, just you're you're not necessarily fine. You know, <laughs> a lot of doctors tend to say it's like, "Are you okay?" But uh, yeah, and it's called "Unwell Women" by El Elinor Clegborn. Really, mm. really good book. Um, yeah. And uh, and then just to go to somewhere some something a little bit lighter, <laughs> I um I I listened in a kind of obsess obsessive way to uh, the new Kendrick Lamar's uh, album, and so I needed uh maybe a break before then carrying on listening to it uh, obsessively. So I listened to the new album <laughs> released by Harry Styles, Harry's House. Oh, I haven't listened to it yet. What's it like? If, what is <laughs> after listening to uh, um, uh, to Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers? Uh, it's kind of bland. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, I've heard he talks a lot about um, how much he likes Olivia Wilde and how much he likes cocaine. Those are the two takeaways I've heard. Oh, I didn't take any of that away with me. Oh, oh, I, interesting. Um, I feel I feel like it, it's it's okay. It's 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 enjoyable to listen. But I, like the first song, you will love the first moment of it, and then it just ruins it. There's a really oh, cool right, like, and then it goes, and I just I just hate that moment. But um, it's okay. <laughs> Uh, well, listen. What? Well, why? Why don't you listen to it now? Go to Spotify. Just, just the first song. Just the first song is called. Okay. Um, I want to see your your reaction because I think the first moment is really good, and it's called. So the first song um, is called "Music for a Sushi Restaurant." Yeah, music for a sushi restaurant.
you understand what I mean? Yeah, it just sort of lose. It, it's like one thing, and then it just goes. Yeah, something else. And that's I feel like is the album does that to me. Like I'm like I'm grooving, and then something changes, or is not very. I don't know. It's okay. I, I the more I listen to it, the more I enjoyed listening to it, and I think that's normal. Um, <laughs> is is it life changing? No. Uh, I did I get that he was talking about Olivia Munn, eh, Olivia Wilde. Uh, I he was talking about love a lot, so I guess he loves her. So I guess yeah. He, um, he does. I didn't about cocaine. I did not listen to that, but whatever. There's something about doing cocaine in the kitchen or something. I'm not sure. Oh, who knows? But it's okay. It is definitely not Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. No, and not not much is, is it really? Maybe if I had listened to it before that, I would have enjoyed it more. But I just the, the first song, and it's uh, it's just one of those albums that I can't get really, I can't get into it. I listened to it five yeah. times, and every time it seemed different. So that means I haven't <laughs> been listening to it. Yeah, yeah, I can you see know, what you it's mean. just those albums that it's like, oh, okay, I've listened to it a lot, but I I don't. So, for example, Mr. Moran and the Big Steppers, I know exactly what's the next song. The next song is going to be. I know yeah. where it's going to go. But this one, I have no idea. So, it's okay. I like Harry Styles. Carry on being you. And uh, good job. <laughs> it's your third album and you're doing great. Well done, Harry. Well done, Harry. I didn't realise he was so young. He's only like... uh, 26... Yeah, that's crazy. And I didn't realise Kendrick Lamar was only like 34. He's younger than us. Younger than you, maybe. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's younger than me. (laughs) 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 It's younger than me. Uh, But yeah, uh, that's it for me for... Um, before we move on, did you watch any of the Obi Wan Kenobi TV show yet? No, have you? Uh, yeah, yeah, three episodes are out, so I've, I've watched them. How are they? Uh, so far, I would describe myself as whelmed. Whelmed. Not underwhelmed. Not overwhelmed. Just whelmed. Just whelmed. It's okay. right about where you'd expect it to be. It seems okay. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to go crazy about. Maybe because like Better Call Saul recently has been oh, better oh, TV than need, oh my god. I need to watch and, it. And um, yeah, you do. You really, really, really do. And um, Stranger Things four has had me like in pieces as well. So <laughs> maybe with TV that good going on, yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi halfway through the series and it just feels fine. Yeah, I th- I think uh, yeah. Is exactly like Harry I Styles. Like, I think he would have been yeah. good if I didn't wasn't listening to Kendrick. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm. Uh, and I think that's kind of the ambition level of a lot of Star Wars stuff at the moment. Like Book of Boba Fett was quite similar. It was just fine, but it all feels a bit like they're just doing it because they have been told that they have to do it. And mm. maybe there's no like passion behind it. But maybe there is and maybe it's just not coming through. I don't know. Anyway, anyway. Uh, time for a couple of my tubes before we move on to the big review. Yeah. 
So we're going to start off with a movie trailer for a film called The Menu. Have you seen this yet? Uh, what do you think? I think the answer is no. Because <laughs> you're a big, silly goof. Goose. goose. You're a silly goof. <laughs> silly goofsies. Uh, ready? Okay, yeah. Okay. A three, a two, a one, a go. Okay, the menu. Oh, Ralph so we're Fiennes. in a restaurant. Ralph Fine. Yep. He is a, a chef. Ooh, Anya! Anya's here. Anya. Okay. Nicholas Holt. Yes. Over the next few hours, you will ingest. So, oh, this is going to be something about uh, culinary experiences. Oh, my goodness. He's crying. He's taking a photo of his food like a man would. So she is not into that. Oh my god, she is me because I hate those things. <laughs> it's like, oh, let's put some crap on this. Yeah. Oh, is it a horror? It might be a little bit thrilling. Oh. Or somebody's running away. Is it? Oh, oh Ralph Finest looks scary. Yeah, it does. Any questions? Is this bergamot? I'm getting chef. Yes, it is. <laughs> Amazing. What do you reckon? Uh, oh, I reckon like I, I, I'm not. I'm one of those people that I'm not really into those kind of things. Like I like eating food that doesn't like. You know, and those things really, I've had I've had a discussion recently with somebody that I was just like, why? Let's just have some food that tastes like food and not like a <laughs> a, a, a a puree of um, mushrooms sautéed in like bath water uh, to <laughs> remind you of when you were a child. Did we not see another film that was about? Did we not like watch another film that was about this? Um, uh, that it was kind of like pig. Oh, you remember pig. pig? Oh, you remember yeah, yeah, pig yeah, yeah, yeah. when he just like you know he gives him three scallops and he just squishes them like it's nothing. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah, definitely. So, is this supposed to be like a horror film about people that go to a culinary experience and then get killed? Maybe it looks more like a thriller than like a full-on horror, oh, okay. but. But yeah, I, I, it's not totally clear what the deal is, but there's definitely something about them, this very exclusive restaurant with this mm. taster menu, but then there's something sinister going on underneath. Yeah. Um, but when you got Ralph Fiennes and Annie Taylor-Joy and like Nicholas Holt and stuff, and John Leguizamo is in it as well, yeah. I think that that, that cast is going to hopefully produce something watchable. Looks and fun. It looks fun, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Right, are you ready for an advert, a trailer for a TV show? Have you seen the trailer for Andor yet? No. Okay. I've what do you think? <laughs> well, this one is more maybe something you might have come across. I don't know. Okay. And or. Okay, you ready? And or. Okay. Three, okay. two, one, go. Okay. So we're in a city and somebody's walking up the stairs. He's definitely dressed like a Star Wars character. And <laughs> is he a bell ringer? Yeah. He's a bell he ringer. Is. 
Okay. Oh, a ship is falling or landing. Oh, hmm. It's giving me Rogue One vibes. Well, it should be giving you Rogue One vibes. Why? Why should it be giving me Ro Rogue well, One vibes? You'll probably see momentarily. Hmm? You'll see in a moment. Oh, him! <laughs> so proud of yes. So fat and satisfied. Okay. So lots of. They're watching me now. This is the first Star Wars show that they've filmed on location. They're not used sort of CGI backdrops oh, and stuff. It looks, in fact, it looks fantastic. Yeah, I think it does look. The look of it is great. You can see that it's, yeah. it is worth going out there and building sets and things. Yeah, I think I think we need that. Oh wow. Yeah, definitely. It looks ambitious. Yeah. In a way that, like, everyone can only doesn't really. Mm. Ooh, I like her. Sounds like. Yeah, she's great. And, uh... Oh, I like the writing. That's really cool. Mm. Nice. Ah, I think this so, is going to be good. Like, he's giving me real, like, Rogue One uh, vibes. Yeah, so this is the prequel show to Rogue One, the film. Mm. It's following Cassian Andor, the character played by Diego yeah. Luna in Rogue One, showing, I think, the five years of his life leading up to uh. um, leading up to Rogue One. It's going to be, they've confirmed it's going to be two seasons long. Each season is going to have 12 episodes, so that we're getting quite a lot of it. Wow. And, uh, yeah, supposedly it's going to show kind of the rebellion from his perspective, which is... Um, Amazing. It looks like I was saying before about things not having much ambition to them. This looks, yeah. I think, kind of interesting and ambitious, yeah. and I'm excited to see it. I hope it's good. I'm so bad with names. It's terrible, isn't it? Like, <laughs> just like Andor. No one is expecting you is. to remember Cassian Andor. That's a that's a silly but name. But Cassian, I, I, it does ring a bell, though. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's uh he's the one of the main characters in Rogue One. Yeah. And people yeah. liked him a lot in that, so. Amazing. No, that, that looks really good. Like, that's the thing with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, I want to watch it, but also that, that Obi-Wan Kenobi was part of, like, a series that I hated. Not series, <laughs> but, like, a series of film that I really didn't like. And so I'm I'm really sceptical. But Yeah, but, I mean, I, surely you can agree that maybe the, the one thing that is good in those prequels is Ewan McGregor. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but it's still awful. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I don't. Oh, you never know. I, I like, like you know, I've got, I've got, I've got time off now, so I can do stuff. Yeah, I'd recommend Stranger Things though before Obi Wan Kenobi. Okay. Um, you'll have a better time with that, I reckon. Um, but yeah, so there we go. Quick look at a couple of upcoming things: nice. the menu and Andor. Um. Yeah. Should we move Should into we? our big review of the <laughs> Should, week? Should we? <laughs> yeah. So, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, is a guy. Hails from, he is a guy, hails from Compton. Uh, he's 35, did you say? 34 years old? 34, 34 I think. 34 years old. Um, 
iconic rapper people you know adored by hip-hop fans around the world or now placed at the top of a lot of you know best rappers of all time lists um beloved makes albums that are big meaty conceptual albums that tell a story and have a point to make um Mm -hmm. starting with uh, section 80 moving into good kid mad city uh his sort of magnum opus to pimper butterfly in 2015 and in 2017 he released his last album damn um, for which he won a Pulitzer Prize, the only popular musician to ever win a Pulitzer Prize. And um, then he just went dark yep. for about five years, doing a, a handful of guest feature spots, launching some sort of company artistic vision thing called PG Lang, um, but never really been too clear on what the purpose of it was. Um doing a little bit of acting here and there, but generally being fairly quiet and certainly not releasing any music until suddenly, a handful of months ago, uh, a, a fan tweets, Kendrick Lamar has retired, and Kendrick Lamar replies to that tweet to announce the imminent release of his latest album, his uh, fifth studio album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, mm-hmm. uh, which was released... Um, on the 13th of a no 13th of may let me get it up well let me find this information for you the 13th of may uh and it was quickly well he, he announced it about a month before it came out and there was not much to go on beyond the title mr royal and the big steppers which doesn't tell you too much and um then about a week before it came out, he dropped a music video for The Heart Part 5, the latest in his series of songs. Um, his Heart songs, did you watch that music video? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, pretty good stuff. Yeah. Um, where he, he's teamed up with the South Park creators to deep fake himself to appear as yeah. a variety of um, yeah. black celebrities. Uh, some of them troubled, some of them passed away, such as uh, OJ Simpson, Jussie Smollett, uh, who else? Will Smith. Um, yes, but he hasn't passed away. Will Smith, though. No, I said some of them passed away. Ah, so oh, sorry. None of them <laughs> passed away. But then you said the ones I know, but I could. Uh, yeah. OJ Simpson has a book. Yeah, quite, yeah I was away. like thinking what? Um, yeah, because I was thinking but, on your Kobe uh, Bryant he, too. He was. He okay, but then towards the end of the video, he, he appears as Kobe Bryant and then Nipsey Hussle, both of whom have, have, have passed away. Yeah. Um, and that came out a week before the album, and then the album dropped, and um. The only thing that was announced really before the album dropped was that it was going to be a double album, which ultimately is true thematically, but not true in terms of length. It's actually slightly shorter than To Pimp a Butterfly because it was, it was, people were saying, oh, it's his first double album, but it's actually about five minutes shorter than To Pimp a Butterfly. Mm. Um, but it is split into two sections of nine songs each. The first section is called The Big Steppers. And the second half is called Mr. Morale, even though the album is called Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, which immediately hints at um, the mirrored nature of the track list in the album, which is mm-hmm. something people are only, you know, still unravelling. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I've talked before on the podcast about how he's one of my favourite musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've discussed as well uh, that, we, you know, we like him. And... Um, yeah, that's that's kind of what led up to the album. What what do you what did you think of before you went in to listen to it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um well I know, I know there's been a big wait, but I'm not I'm not those kind of people that it 
like you know I'm, you you've known me for ten years. I just kind of go with the flow on what whatever something release something. I'm like okay with it. You know it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. As much, and I feel like if you can, if I if I have to wait five years, six years, and then have a great album, I'd rather just wait than have something yeah. that has no is not you know not really great and i think i think it's it's a really hard job for an artist like kendrick lamar to be able to release something because he he and i think he talks about it in this album as well like he's considered like incredible and so whatever he releases is going to be scrutinized so much that yeah. it has to be perfect and great and um and and it it, it it can't that cannot happen in one year or two uh and so yeah. unless you work constantly really hard and but i think um it, it must be quite hard for an artist like this to be able to release something because yeah especially if you know that you're viewed by a community as like the ultimate moral yeah. authority yeah especially if you yourself kind of feel and know that you aren't that that people yeah. shouldn't view as yeah. that that would be a difficult thing yeah. like when you put out music you know that people are gonna take meaning from it even where you don't intend it yeah um, and how would that affect how would that affect you which is an interesting you know i think that a lot of that is reflected in in this album mm. yeah yeah so you just have to wait for greatness don't you yeah 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 and i did um, I knew the album was going to come out at 5am in the UK and I woke <laughs> up at 5 to 5 to listen okay. to it as soon as it released. I was so excited about this album. Okay. Um, and for me, it didn't, it didn't disappoint. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it from, from listen one, uh, even though all of the themes and ideas within it went straight over. Yeah, you know, the first time you listen to it, you can't, yeah. it's impossible to keep up with what he's doing. Oh, that's true of a lot of most hip hop albums because you know yeah. they're throwing lines and lyrics at you so quickly <laughs> that it's hard to pull a cohesive thing out of it the first time you hear it. You need to yeah. kind of really let it let it settle mm. and listen to it a few times. But what made it work the first time for me was that I think the beats and the music and and the actual sound of the album is really really good. It's a bit more understated. It's more stripped back. There's mm. a couple of songs that are like quite piano led, but there's yeah. also you know really good beats on there. Um, there, you know, there are some songs that kind of remind me of like a little bit of Kanye West songs. Yeah, yeah, which I, could definitely, I some never Kanye heard from him before. Like a little bit no, more melodic and yeah, yeah. I think the the presence of Portishead's Beth Ditto on oh, one of the tracks that's amazing. Yeah, though I mean that's amazing, but it definitely also speaks to maybe he's taken some inspiration from like trip hop and things yeah. that are a little bit more restrained and mellow and atmospheric yeah. and melodic not that he hasn't done that in the past but this album definitely i think is his most sort of restrained album except for one song in particular where um it's just swearing and shouting and yelling for five minutes it's <laughs> a very what... yeah it's, it's there are some moments that made me really emotional in this album yeah definitely in different kind of ways it's a very is a kind of like an emotional roller coaster i think yeah yeah definitely and i yeah I don't th- I don't know if the first time I listened to it I loved it straight away like you did. Yeah. But the more I listened to it, the more because there's so much to listen to. Yeah, yeah, there is. <laughs> it's just like 
hours uh, <laughs> to listen to. Yeah, massively. Um, so I've written a little thing. So I, I right, I'll just say what I think the album is about, and then you can say what you think. Is that all right? Okay. 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 I think. Right, I think there's two themes running through the album, right? Okay. The first one is the importance of therapy. I think therapy is a big part of this album. Yeah. And self-love and self-care. Yeah. And Kendrick Lamar being able to be in a place with his family where he is happy and confident and comfortable. Yeah. And then the second theme that runs through it is his desperate need to not be seen as a saviour and not be seen as a leader. And to be seen as someone with an ultimate moral compass. And he's grappling with his own knowledge of poor behaviour that he's done in the past. And he engages in repeated character assassination attempts where he tries to make people see that he isn't perfect and that he is flawed and not a saviour, as he like highlights in a couple of songs, mm. um, to, to kind of excise his own saviour complex. And this is highlighted by things like including Kodak Black on, on the album a fair few times, who's a really controversial figure who in you know in real this isn't like an art thing in real life has done some really awful unforgivable stuff that he's sort of you know pled guilty to in court etc yeah. uh, and he uses um, a homophobic slur repeatedly on one of the tracks near the end of the yeah. album as well uh, which to some people will be considered sort of unforgivable um, but then on the sort of the the backside of that is that on the front of the album he's wearing a crown of thorns. Mm. In the mu- one music video he's put out so far for N ninety five, he's posed in a Christ like pose yeah. floating over water. Yeah. So he's still grappling with this he's still got this saviour complex thing running through the music while at the same time trying to distance himself from that as well and sort of battling those two things battling with mm. each other. Uh to me that I mean that's my kind of Mm. thoughts on what the album is about what do you think i agree with your thoughts uh i think yeah uh, absolutely uh, i also feel like he wants to um show how black lives in america how they the condition of people black people in america how they are and i know it's it's a theme that he always has but i think this one is kind of like uh just how hard it is to uh to break the cycle of um the, the, the bad cycle because it's really hard not just um and you know he talks about the family as well, how to break the cycle in a family, but also how to break the cycle in the community and how difficult it is because of the conditions that they that they are in America. And I think that's a big theme throughout the album. Um about and then um what's another one yeah. which I um I- I was just going to say on the back of that, I definitely think that there's an element of like him including people like Kurt at Black in the album. I think he's getting at the idea of people picking or selecting characters to kind of hate and dislike, such as Kurt yeah. Black. Yeah. And maybe that being an easy way to not engage with or ignore 
the cycles of violence yeah. and trauma and racism yeah. that create people like Kodak Black in the first exactly. place. And I think he has created an album where you have to think. We in this society, especially, it's been so underlined after COVID, but it's been like going on for a while that we uh, are 50 50 in our society. Yeah. If you think about um, Brexit, out, in. If you think about COVID, anti vax, no vax, all these things, there is it's no more discussion white. anymore. We can't just discuss and say, okay, we have different opinions. Let's try and figure out how we can, like, understand each other. We can't have discussions where we talk. We have to have a discussion where one of us is right. And and I, and when we to look at, um, and if you look at it, he uses a, a controversial character like Kodak, Kodak Black. Let's discuss why this man is this way. And I think that's what he does in this album is it, it's it allows conversation. Yeah, because I, what I agree. What tracks jump out to you particularly? Okay, so um, oh, this is hard. Well, <laughs> like I really like N ninety five, just because yeah. it's kind of like take this off the stick. It's really serious. Yeah. And then at one point it just goes, "You're ugly as fuck," and that that really makes me laugh <laughs> because you say, you know, you take all all of these things, you know, um, and you know, you take off your Birkin bag, and it's really serious, and then it's like, what, what, what stays, and then it just that's just like somebody at the back saying, "You're ugly as fuck," and I, I, I don't know, that line just makes me laugh. Yeah, no, it's good. I, it's definitely the most obvious sort of, you know, you know, you understand why that's the first music video from the album as well. Cause yeah, it's like the most yeah. obvious, like banger, yeah, sort of song. Um, mm. That yeah is quite lyrically quite simple, and it comes quite early on in the album. But yeah. he's just sort of making comments about you know cancel culture being silly. Yeah, and you know. Yeah, like he and he he talks about this on Dam as well. It's like a recurring theme for him in terms of like not liking people who dress themselves up in a load of flashy hip current gear. Yeah, and you know cover themselves in in various things to try and hide what's going on underneath, kind of thing. Mm. And he prefer, he prefers to see what's underneath. He prefers yeah. to see the reality of people, which is interesting, you know. But no, the song is good, and I like that funny. Yeah, that, that yeah. Sort of I just, I just, it's just because it's like kind of like I don't know, and then it's like huh, huh, huh. I don't know, quite, I quite. <laughs> uh, but uh, but after that, like the song that I kind of like was really, really, um, was um Father Time. Uh, yeah, with Sampha. Be just because I love Sampha, and I was not expecting him to be in in this album, and I've been like he's an artist that I've been waiting for for a while because his last and only album was released in two thousand and seventeen. And, you know, sometimes I still look it's like, but he hasn't released anything since and I haven't heard anything new. And so that kind of made me really kind of happy. It's a great song um, that explores uh, the toxic masculinity that is ingrained in a family and uh, that could come from a, a present father or a, a not uh, or an absent one. But with Samfa's voice, it makes it, I don't know. It gives this song a different level for me, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, and 
yeah, I love that song. But yeah. What do you think of We Cry Together? <sighs> well, the first time I heard We Cry Together, I was shocked and I actually cried. Really? I was really emotional after that. Just the first time, just because it was so much. They're arguing for nothing, really. We don't really know what they're arguing about. Uh, yeah, for anyone, for anyone that hasn't necessarily heard it or can't remember, it's the song where um, Kendrick and the actress Taylor Page have a yeah. blazing row that sounds improvised but is also all rhymed and metered and is clearly yeah. like, very carefully written. Um, and she, and uh, just, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's have, you, have you seen the film Zola? No, I need to. You talked about it. I need to watch yeah, it now. You should watch I, Zola. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and they just argue and there's like so many swear words and so much stuff and I the first time I listened to it, I was like oh my god I'm so angry and I just was emotional after yeah uh, <laughs> but it also opens with this really beautiful uh Florence and the Machine sample yeah. that kind of yeah. takes you kind of throws you off guard because then it yeah. immediately just gets so ugly I think this song is what people who don't like hip-hop think all hip-hop and rap sounds like mm, yeah just vicious aggressive shouting and yelling and the truth is that's not what it all sounds like no. but he's using it here it also sounds like early Eminem I think it sounds like a cut off an early Eminem album it's but it's such a an incredible song and, and I don't know they say it's about uh it's, it's like a conversation between like it's like it feels like the music industry and uh, no the, the people yeah. and then Kendrick Lamar I'm not sure if that's the case if it is actually but yeah it's interesting because there's a there's a there is actually an Eminem song. I think it's called Twenty Five to Life. That's the, almost the same thing. It's like a conversation between him and a friend or something. And at the end, it turns out it's the hip hop industry. Or yeah, it's, it's weird. The, then the more I listen to it, I'm like, I'm amazed by it because they're so good um, at at arguing, and it's an incredible song. And I I I I really like it. Yeah. Just because there's so much meaning into that it could be anything and and there's also underlines the the stupidity of it because they're arguing about absolutely nothing we don't know what they're arguing about but they're arguing how long is the song like five minutes it's quite long yeah so they're arguing five minutes without even saying what the argument is about so that means it's nothing and um i think uh, taylor page's voice is uh mirrors uh kendrick's in a really because she's got quite a raspy voice as well so I think yeah she does a, a really yeah she's great yeah on that trip. Oh, and then so but they, they make him. up in the end yeah, yeah. Was, she yeah. blames him for like donald trump and toxic masculinity and all sorts of yeah things. and oh and when she says uh, that's why uh r kelly uh, doesn't think yeah. he's abusive or something uh i was like amazing um yeah yeah, and then that's one of those weird bits where Kendrick comes back with like, oh, you're so hip- hypocritical, like, you know you still listen to his music, etc. Yeah. And I'm like, that's one of those moments where, I go, is that what Kendrick Lamar actually thinks? Or is that is that him in the character of this song? It, yeah. Like, it's it's difficult sometimes to know when he says, he says stuff that can be quite like, oh, I don't agree with that. And it's hard to know sometimes where Kendrick, it, the real man is and where the character is that he's playing. Yeah, himself. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a, it's a intense song. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. 
what what other songs stick to you? Uh, one song that stuck out to me, partly because I think it's it, it kind of covers the themes that we've talked about in the most mm. explicit detail, is the song Saviour. It starts with him... Not your savior. Cold made you feel empowered, but he is not your savior. Future said get a money counter, but he is not your savior. So it opens with him kind of going through a few iconic mm-hmm. black celebrities that people refer to as, if not a savior, certainly like a kind of influential, important figure. And Kendrick saying, you know, none of these people are your savior. And then that's kind of, you know. I think as a song, it's fairly standard, but I think lyrically, it's where he really digs into what, for me, I think the album is, is about. Mm. Um, and, you know, what I was saying before about people ignoring the trauma and the cycles of violence and stuff and just focusing on the results of that rather than on the causes. Um, mm. Yeah. I like it. It's a good mm. song. Any songs for you? Um, I think um, song 17, Mother, I Sober. Yeah, pretty. I think that's a very amazing song. Uh, it features um, Beth Gibbons from Portishead. Uh, and um, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I think this is my favourite track on the album. I, I yeah. love the tone of it. I, I really like Beth Gibbons' hook yeah. on the chorus. Mm-hmm. And then what he's discussing in terms of, you know, it's quite a person. It starts off as a really, really personal story yeah. about his mother and abuse that she suffered and then mm-hmm. her sort of placing that on him and thinking that he was going through something, but he wasn't, mm-hmm. but it kind of messed him up as well. And, you know, again, it kind of links back to these ideas of cycles of, of violence and abuse and trauma and things affecting um, black families and black society mm. and um yeah the the song ends with him sort of declaring that he's going to break that generational yeah. curse with his own family and his sort yeah. of wife speaking to him and or his partner i don't i'm not sure if they might but his partner speaking to him um yeah. and yeah it's 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 a beautiful kind of really amazing song that would have been quite difficult probably to to write because uh, it yeah. kind of hooks up with his own emotions and his own experiences so much so yeah i love it it's good yeah a great song. It is a great yeah. song. Well, the other kind of big, issuey, knotty song is Auntie Diaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where he... Um, I mean, first of all, this is the first big mainstream hip-hop song by a mainstream rapper to be ultimately, uh, despite how it messy it is and complicated it is, is ultimately the, the in explicitly i think in support of the trans community yeah which hasn't happened before but of course because of the album it's on and the things that kendrick's talking about he does it a for a very personal story of discussing two family members his um i think his aunt and his cousin um and his journey towards accepting their transitions so there's been Mm -hmm. criticism that it kind of focuses the narrative on him rather than on the relatives but ultimately you know it is about the whole albums about him and how he experiences the world so that's yeah. kind of you know has to be a given a little bit but he 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 repeatedly uh, dead names his relatives he misgenders them and then he yeah. uses the f slur as well so like 
while being ultimately in support of the trans community, it's not a sort of out and out just message of acceptance. It's a message of com- It's a complicated message of this is this is this was the journey I took to be accepting and comfortable with the people in my life who have gone through this journey, and this is why I think that it's you know something we should accept. But he's also talking about in very real terms what he used to be like and what he used to do, and that makes it quite difficult to listen to and made me you yeah. know the first time I was what was your reaction the first time you listened to this song because I was quite like oh felt uncomfortable yeah he <laughs> <laughs> uses a word that I, I hate mm-hmm. that we should hate it's a it's a that we should hate we all should hate and I don't think word. I've ever used it no um, I don't think I have the first time I heard it when I moved to England like I swear I thought it meant like haggis. <laughs> I did not realize. Well, that is, that... A, I mean, it is a type of food in this in the UK, like a sort of meatball type thing. But yeah, that's not the context of it in this. No, instance. and so listening to it, and it says it three times, and you go, oh, and then then the end of the song, it's perfect. Yeah. Did you know about that incident before listening to this song? Had you heard about? He, he discusses when he uh, allowed someone to come up on stage during one of his concerts and rock along to Mad City. I did not know that until I listened to the song. Uh, I read about the song. Because I, yeah. I remember when that happened and it, you know, being, oh, that's that must have been horrible to, to be there. Like, that would have been so awkward. So what what exactly happened? Like, well, he, he called he, a girl on stage. Yeah, he called white. a white girl on stage. She was yeah. white and and allowed and rapped, got her to rap along to the song "Mad City," yeah. and she didn't censor herself with the N word. She used the N word, yeah. and he was like, in the moment, I think he was like, "Please don't use that word. We're not going to, you know, that's not your word to use." Sort of thing. I can't remember yeah. exactly what he said or what was done, but he he confronted her about it in the gig, and it it kind of blew up and was a big deal, and everyone had it was one of those things that everyone had an opinion on, yeah. sort of thing. And I think obviously it stuck with him as a big. He probably really regretted that it happened, and it would have stuck with him in a big way, kind of trying to work out how to feel about it. Yeah. And obviously, you know, he ultimately says that if he's going to use that slur, then the white girl should have been allowed to use the N word. But yeah. I think that his point is that she's not, so he shouldn't be using that yeah. word. But then he does yeah. use it in the song. So what does that you know? It's. But I think I think that's part of the process of him learning, and I don't think yeah. he's going to use it again. Yeah. I think I think that's that's the beauty of this album is like he's also expelling all of the stuff from himself to then break this curse, generational curse. And I yeah. think it's part of it is having this song, yeah, but which like could be triggering. Like... Which I'm, you know, I understand it can be, yeah. But I think I think we forget that we are all we are all on a journey and we're all changing and things that maybe I would have said ten years ago I wouldn't say now. I hope we's never going to use that word again. Yeah, but he's going on a massive <laughs> tour this summer. Um, I'm going to see him when yeah. he comes to Manchester. Is he going to perform that song live? And if he does, is he going to like? Is it okay for him to perform that song live and use the word then? I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, we'll just have to see. But it's yeah. a great. I mean, you know, in terms of ultimately being a message of support for that community, I think I, I you know, yeah, as a, as I think a, it's so. A, it's a heartfelt, emotional song. I like it. Yeah. 
What other song do you think? Uh, the only the only other song, the last song I've got to mention is again one where a bit like Saviour. No, actually, the almost the opposite of Saviour, where the lyrics are quite simple, not necessarily yeah. simple, but aren't groundbreaking the way that same Mother I Sober or I Diaries is. But I just love the music, and that's the song Crown. 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 It's. I will put a little bit of Crown on, and you'll probably recognise it. That that song's really about how he's he's sort of talking about how he can't like he it ends up with him saying over and over again I can't please everybody yeah I can't please everybody and it's just again it's something about his savior complex and how he can't be everything for yeah. everyone sort of thing, but the stripped back piano led beat I really enjoy I think it's beautiful mm. a really beautiful song so yeah. yeah that's that's it, um but so and like very quickly I'll just say that other songs that I really liked were N ninety five which you've discussed. Uh, yeah. United in Grief, Father Time, which you've discussed, yeah. Worldwide Steppers, Rich Spirit and Mirror are all great tracks. The whole album, though, is, is great. My ultimate takeaway is that it's probably my third... It feels farcical to rank and etc. things, but I think it probably sits behind To Pimp a Butterfly and Good Kid Mad City for me in his albums, and mm. but above Damn. Uh, I think it's amazing. I really, really love it. It's knotty and complex and interesting. And mm. is a five star album, but so are pretty much all the albums he's ever done. So it's hard to say. Yeah. Um. But I think To Pimp a Butterfly is just something that I don't know that he or anyone will ever beat it. I think it's almost, it's a perfect work of art, which sounds yeah. ridiculous to say, but I love that album. And Good Kid Mad City, every time I listen to it, I like it a little bit more. Um, yeah. It's just a really great sort of album about what it's like to grow up in, in a part of the world that I've never been to and probably never will be to and mm. uh, certainly to live a life that I'll never live and to see kind of his take on that and how he's experienced life is, is great. Um, and yeah, and then this this album is different to his other albums in a way because it's so... It's so knotty and difficult to kind of get a hold like mm. Good Kid Mad City is very easy to say what it's about to Pimper Butterfly slightly more complex but you can still sort of break down what it's about and then mm. this album is just there's so many different ideas going on in it that um, it's hard to pin down but I, I really like it what do you think? yeah <laughs> it's a it's a it's a very complex album and there's a lot of to talk about and uh, there's some things that maybe aren't controversial but I, I think I think it's, it's good for an artist to be able to put out there something so personal mm-hmm. about themselves and mm-hmm. trying to um, um, talk about how the ways that we can get better and uh, just by talking to someone which is really what it is is just yeah. uh, talking to someone and trying to be better and not do the same mistakes over <laughs> and over again realize what what we're doing wrong and move on yeah and I think um, I think anybody could relate some things into this album because it's kind of like human it's just a human living and trying to 
break the cycle and I think in America must be quite hard because especially with money situation and nothing is free and uh, it must be so hard to be able to move away from that so yeah. I think uh, yeah it's um, it's a hard world over there I think yeah. especially people of <laughs> minorities uh, people of color uh, min- uh, LGBTQ in the black community like it's all very um difficult so yeah yeah great well oh we did it we did it we did it so i'm gonna go five buckets out of five buckets all filled with um difficult to understand concepts yeah oh one thing i really don't like can i say go on is to use the word of the word bitch oh yeah i've gone so far to not liking any word that um, is um, uh, degrading to women and men, but there's more words degrading to women, and I hate it. So I think that's one thing that I don't. No, that's fair. That's a word yeah. that I don't use in my own life. Yeah. And cr- I cringe when I hear other people using it. Yeah, um, like bird, bitch, chick. Just, just no. Just don't call me. I'd rather not be called. And um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I agree. Uh, um, a... yeah, it's one of those things that's part of the vernacular of hip hop. That absolutely, isn't absolutely. Great. But it really like stuck to me, and I just didn't really like it. No, which I, is fine. You know, you could do whatever. Just one thing that I just realized in this album how much I hate that word. Yeah, there like, was a weird thing a few years ago where Jay, it came out like somebody put out some article about how Jay Z. It was after, not long after he had Blue Ivy, it came out that he wasn't going to use that word anymore in his songs because he thought it was demeaning or something. And then he had to come out, it was this really awkward thing where he had to come out and be like, no, that's made up, that's not true. Effectively saying, I am absolutely going to continue using that word. <laughs> <laughs> like, but probably didn't want to have to say that, but it was weird. Um Yeah. Okay. Well, that brings us to the yeah. end of our, our review. Of, of, yeah, so of, you would give five buckets out of? Five. But an, an imperfect five buckets, but still, you know, on, an, on a yeah. level above what anyone else is doing, really. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's our, that's our, that's our episode. Um, if you had to recommend something from our culture catch-up for people to go and check out, what would it be? For me, I'm going to say that people should watch Stranger Things Season 4 because it's so good. And um, Top Gun Maverick, I'm going to go with it. I love it. Good. How about you? I recommend uh, the book I read, which is Unwell Women, A Journey Through Medicine and Myth in a Man-Made World, and uh, by... Eleanor Cleggborn. And uh, although I'm still, I, I'm so bad at reading books at the moment, I'm still trying to read the one you read a while ago, Men Who Hate Women. That's still, it's. I'm, I'm slowly getting through it. This Amber Heard, Johnny Depp <laughs> trial That's has not, brought the incels out of the woodwork and it's just given them so much crap. Yeah, a lot of ammunition for people like that. Yeah, go back into your (coughs) home and stay there. What if they both suck? And what if neither of them represent the gender that they are? Exactly. 
Exactly. So they both suck. They had a terrible relationship. And that is it. Stop. Amber Heard is not every woman. Johnny Depp is not every man. They're two people with a lot of money who defamed each other. They had a terrible relationship. But but unfortunately, these people just get, get ammunition from anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah, Men Who Hate Women is a pretty meaty book, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> By yeah, the I end, keep, you're like, oh, my God. I keep falling asleep while I'm reading it because it's so... gives me so much to think about it, ties my brain out, but it is, it's good. <laughs> um, but I've been reading a lot more comic books and stuff recently uh, yeah. as a result. But I'll, I'll get to it. Um, yeah. Right, so we are going to be back with you uh, in a few weeks. We're going to take a short break yes. because life in reality is quite busy yeah. for everyone at the moment. So we're going to come back to you in mid-July, around about the time that Thor, Love and Thunder will hit cinemas because we're going to come yeah. back to you with a top five episode on Natalie Portman. Uh, the actress exciting. Natalie Portman. Uh, very exciting. Um a, a, an interesting filmography we were discussing before we started recording. <laughs> that the, some of her films are not very good, but I think some yeah. of her performances show why she is an Oscar winner. Yeah. Um, you know, I think she has been amazing in some films. So you're going to do a bit of uh, homework maybe over the over the coming weeks. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to watch a few things as well, and hopefully we can come with some uh, something to say about the career of. Um, Miss Portman. Miss Portman. We'll see. Miss Portman. We'll see where we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. So yeah, please please come and join us for that uh, in mid July. And in the meantime, uh, c- can you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and everywhere else, please, and tell your friends about us. That'd be so please. good. Uh, it'd be lovely to come back and have a thousand downloads straight away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, and, oh, uh, if you want to see us on social media, you can do. Uh, the links to all of our social media sites we're most active on Instagram are in the show notes for this and every episode, along with the list of what we've discussed in Culture Catch-Up and watched for my tube. Uh, so please do go and have a look at the show notes and uh, come and chat to us and join the conversation. And we'll see you again in a few weeks. And uh, we love you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. bye.